Vancouver. Jeff Patterson here with you. Thanks so much for stopping by for another edition of some Canucks talk as we work our way to the start of the season. Now well into the month of September. So yeah, hockey season is here. Games being played uh, around junior hockey and overseas. And soon enough, the National Hockey League season is going to be here and we'll count you down and get you ready for another season of Canucks Hockey. Rinkwide Vancouver, a presentation, as always, of Bodog, Canada's choice for casino games, poker tips, and sports odds. Uh, starting to see more and more Canucks uh, trickling in. Uh, these informal skates that are taking place out at UBC. I was out there earlier in the week. It's just good to be back around the rink, catch up with media pals, uh, see the Canucks do their thing. Uh, Elias Pedersen wasn't in town when I was out there, but uh, he too has joined the mix. Connor Garland, uh, one of the additions, Pierre Suter, uh, has shown up here as well. So uh, just about everybody is accounted for. I think Ilya Mikheyev, maybe uh, the only guy that uh, hasn't shown his face, at least as uh, of the time of recording. And there's still some concern about uh, his rehab and recovery and whether he's going to be ready for training camp and the preseason and ultimately opening night. But we're still more than a month away from opening night. So he's got some time on his side, but it's going to be really interesting to see how uh, they handle Ilya Mikheyev moving forward. Uh, we had a chance to talk to Brock Besser after uh, his skate earlier in the week. And, of course, so many questions about Brock Besser and foot speed and, you know, can he find another gear and all those types of things. Uh, seemed to be in pretty good spirits. I will give him that. Now, you think back to last year and all that he dealt with on a personal level with the passing of his father, you know, the inconsistency, the injury in training camp that really set him back. Took him a dozen games to score his first goal. He had five goals at Christmas time. Uh, got to that point, the hockey fight cancer night where Bruce Boudreau almost made him a healthy scratch. And, you know, there was just so much noise around Brock Besser. I'm not sure that the noise has disappeared entirely. Like, I think if the Canucks could move that contract, I still think that they would uh, look to do so. But, you know, Brock has stated his case. He wants to be here. Loves his city. Loves his teammates. He wants to remain a member of the Vancouver Canucks, some of that's out of his control. Again, if the Canucks are able to find a deal that works for them and gives them a little bit of cap flexibility, you know, if he doesn't have a great training camp in preseason, if somebody else steps up and shows that they're ready, you know, I don't think that the volume has been turned all the way down on Brock Besser, but he knows that last year uh, was a disappointing year for him individually, uh, for this team as well. But he says he's moved on from the distractions of last season, and he's ready to go uh, this year. I think I kind of flipped the page at you know at the end of last season, and you know I let everyone know how I felt about coming back, and you know out of, from that that point on, it was really out of my control, and I'm just really happy to be back with these guys, and um, you know I love it here, and I, I feel like I've, I've expressed that a lot. So um, you know I've I flipped the page, and I'm just focused on this year now. You know, obviously the last couple of seasons have been tough and, you know, I think you all know I'm not going to sit here and promise you anything anymore. I just got to take it day by day and improve myself to, you know, not just you guys, but, you know, my teammates and, and the city. So there you go, Brock Besser uh, trying to turn the page, as he said in his own words, and we'll see if he can do that. You know, interesting, he's a guy that doesn't show a ton of emotion, like to each their own and everybody's wired differently. And we know that some guys uh, wear their heart on their sleeves. You think of a JT Miller, think back to, you know, Ryan Kessler and his heyday here. Like that's what made those guys successful. Brock pretty low key, uh, just in his approach to things. I, I know that he wants to be the scorer that everybody has thought that he, you know, ought to be at the NHL level and hasn't quite been there yet. Again, last year, 18 goals, disappointment. Now the point total, 
uh, a point off his career best. Uh, you know, maybe we do have to look a little differently at the sort of how we frame Brock Besser. Look, when he arrived on the scene, they needed him to score goals. They didn't have Elias Pettersson. They didn't have JT Miller. They didn't have Andre Kuzmenko. Uh, they've got these guys now that do the heavy lifting in the goal scoring department. Yeah, Besser's getting six and a half million bucks. Like they, there is expectations there, but maybe we have to view him a little differently in the way that he plays and performs and ultimately produces. Again, you don't expect a ton of sort of fire from Brock Besser, but you know, some fairly strong language. I thought when we talked to him the other day, just about you know he's entering his seventh year here in Vancouver now, seventh full season. Again, this guy hasn't played a playoff game at Rogers Arena, and there was a sense of frustration in his voice that maybe I hadn't heard before, but I kind of liked it. Like a fired up Brock Besser, sure, why not? Give that a shot. Uh, this was Besser. Just on, on, it's time for this group to start winning in Vancouver. You know, I think we're all just sick and tired of, you know, having these expectations and not following through. And, um, you know, Todd came in here and, you know, he, he pushed us even, even though we were in the playoffs, he kept pushing us each and every day. And um, it's important to, to come in better shape. And, um, you know, he told us all that the guys that were returning that, you know, camp's going to be really hard this year. So um, he warned us. So we'll, we'll see how hard camp is. Yeah, there you go. Uh, players, uh, they're expecting... Now, you say that they're expecting a hard training camp. Uh, Travis Green ran a tough training camp. I don't know if Bruce Boudreaux, I mean, he had one camp and it was quick. It was three days up in Whistler. But this one, on paper at least, is scheduled for five days. And we'll see what Rick Tockett does with his coaching staff and just how difficult. I'm sure there's going to be an element of uh, you know a fitness test, a fitness component, and you know we'll we'll see how that all plays out uh, for all of these guys that uh, are there battling for jobs. And Brock Besser is one of them. Uh, yeah, he's got the contract and he's got the history and everything else, but I don't think that at this stage, and especially coming off last year, that he can take anything uh, for granted whatsoever. So. Uh, you know, the one thing that I mentioned uh, it was such a, a big part of the storyline last year was the passing of his father. He played with a heavy heart. He talked about the fact that there were sort of quiet nights in hotel rooms uh, on the road where he wondered, you know, should he be playing? Was this like, you know, those types of like That's tough as an athlete. Like, it's tough as a young man to lose your father at the age of 61. Um, but then, you know, if that's weighing on you, obviously it's going to hamper your performance. And so... Uh, Brock's never going to forget his father, obviously, but hopefully he learned a lot last year about handling uh, his feelings and his emotions and everything else. And so he was talked about. He did. He talked about the fact that you know he's kind of at peace now with the passing of his dad back in May of 2022. You know, last year was uh, definitely a hurdle mentally, and um, it was a little different, um, obviously. You know, you're still dealing with, you know, that loss my dad. So um, we figured it out, and, you know, we kind of got over that hump, I feel. I feel, you know, you come to, you know, I, I think, you know, come to the the peace at first, and you sit there and wonder, you know, why certain things happen. But I think I've come to that peace, and our family is, you know, I think this summer was really good, and we've all kind of found that peace. So, um, you know, in that regards, it's a, lot, it's a lot better. I feel a lot better mentally. I feel really motiv- motivated right now, and I'm really excited to get camp going. Yeah, I think everybody's excited to get camp going, and certainly we are as well, and we'll be covering it heavily here at Rinkwide Vancouver. We're also excited uh, to have Chris Faber of Canucks Army and Canucks Convo stopping by here, a uh, first for us at Rinkwide, but uh, looking forward to a chat 
uh, with Faber, and we will get to that momentarily. But uh, before we do that, got to tell you about uh, our friends out at the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, these guys are the official auto dealer of rink-wide Vancouver. And so uh, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, uh, by all means, they're supporting us. And all we ask is that uh, you give them a chance for uh, you know the best deal possible, best service as well. Keep Applewood Auto Group in mind if you are in the market for a new vehicle. If you're in the market for more Canucks talk, uh, we'll get to that and we'll do it shortly here. Chris Faber from Canucks Army and Canucks Convo is going to stop by and join us on rink-wide Vancouver. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. It is the crossover that nobody, and I mean nobody, saw coming. When worlds collide, Chris Faber from Canucks Army and Canuck Combo stopping by here on Rinkwide Vancouver. Faber, how are you? Doing pretty good, Jeff. Just uh, <laughs> hanging out here, you know, just uh, getting ready for Young Stars, obviously, a week away, training camp. Everything's heating up. I saw you at the rink the other day, and I was there. you wanted me to come on Rinkwide, and I didn't hesitate. I love uh, jumping on here. We haven't done anything together in years. Do you remember the last thing that we've done together would have been a Canucks Convo episode in, like, 2020, maybe? I, I do. I remember, and I did it on the phone. Like technology now allows us to almost feel like we're in the same room. But I, I do remember uh, doing the Connect Convo episode. Look, we got lots of time to talk hockey. You mentioned young stars uh, want to pick your brain on a couple of prospects and that kind of stuff. But uh, what was the highlight of the summer? What uh, What did you get up to? Well, it, for me, it had to be Nashville. Getting a chance to go down there for the draft and obviously experience everything with the NHL draft, but to experience Nashville was incredible. I know it's a spot you've traveled to, and man, uh, I don't know if I would do it in the summer again. Uh, I'm not built for the heat, uh, unfortunately, but uh, just experiencing Nashville was incredible, and you know, obviously the fried chicken had that at every single meal, whether it was breakfast, lunch, or dinner, or even some orders at 2 a.m. after the bar, but uh, it was all good, and, and Nashville has to be the highlight, but uh, I'm one month away as of tomorrow for my wedding as well. So that's exciting, and that's kind of a wrap on the on the summer. I know it's in October, but I'm calling it uh, part of the summer as well. That'll be the highlight for sure. Well, fingers crossed that you get summer weather at the very least, whether uh, it's officially summer. Uh, look, one of my great regrets in life was the first time I went to Nashville, uh, walked into one of the barbecue joints and saw like the menu, and I just mouth is watering, and I'm thinking, like, I want it all. But I, I know I can't have it all and I shouldn't have it all but I went for the th- I went for the three meat combo one meat too many I'm telling you like it was I, I I'm still living with some regrets uh, from that night but uh, yeah the food uh that whole strip on Broadway it's incredible if people haven't been highly recommended if you can tie it into a Canuck visit even better I suppose but uh you know any NHL game just to experience Bridgestone Arena but to get the feel of Nashville itself 
Uh, they call Penticton the Nashville of the... No, they don't. But uh, we're all heading to Penticton for uh, Young Stars a week out. I know that there's been discussion around town about like when does hockey season start. Uh, I don't think it ever ends. But uh, unofficially, uh, guys in Canuck uniforms are going to be playing South Okanagan Event Center uh, just over a week from now. And look, you cover prospects. Uh, we're probably ripping you away from somebody's preseason game somewhere uh, on a stream. Uh, I know you're up early watching uh, guys over in Orbro and doing their thing. Uh, but let's deal with the here and now, guys that are going to be on the ground. And we still haven't seen the full roster uh, for the Vancouver Canucks. And look, so they're top prospects either in Europe or in the NCAA. So, uh, you know, like Karamaki and Wielander, they're not going to be uh, at Young Stars. But Give me a couple of names, a couple of guys that you're going to be really watching closely that'll be repping the Canucks in Penticton. Yeah, and you know what? There's a couple of question marks even about that roster, and you mentioned it. We haven't seen that come out yet. I, I'd be expecting that in the next couple of days here, at least, to, to actually yeah. get a roster out here and be able to kind of break down the players that we're getting. You mentioned it, Europeans, NCAA guys, they won't be here for this, but you are going to get some of the CHL players, whether that's the OHL guys like Kirill Kudryatsev, Hunter Brustevich, uh, even Vilmer Ulrichsen, who we know moved from Sweden to the OHL this past season. You're going to get those players, and I think Kudryatsev is one that I'm really curious to watch because I, I took away a lot from last year training camp and this is a junior player who attended the NHL camp last year and I thought he fit right in. I thought he moved the puck like the rest of the NHL or AHL players that were there. And that was pretty impressive for a kid who was selected in the seventh round of the 2022 NHL draft. So now with a year under his belt, he had a very productive offensive season last year in the OHL. And I expect him to come back and be one of the guys that kind of shines here at this camp. And as much as I would love to see Tom Willander or even see Elias Pettersson, DPD, the defenseman over there in Sweden, we're not going to see those guys at Young Stars. But I think Kudryatsev's one to watch. Cole McWard, probably another name that, you know, we saw him in the NHL a little bit last year but still a very young prospect I know he was 21 when he signed out of the NCAA so to me it's it's actually kind of surprising we're talking about the Canucks prospects here I'm excited to see a bunch of defensemen like Akita Hirose you can throw into the mix there as well and and I'm like wow this these are the wheels are starting to turn a little bit about how this prospect pool is evolving and we're gonna see a decent showcase of it at Young Stars but the big question mark I still have is is Atu Ratu going to play there? He wasn't at uh, Canucks development camp earlier this summer. Danila Klimovich, has he graduated from the Young Stars? It's like there's not really uh, a formula to see who gets to attend this camp. We've seen 24-year-olds, and we'll see one in Nikita Hirose, who they're, they're using for the ads. But uh, I, I would love to see Atu Ratu get a chance there. Danila Klimovich is the one for me where it's like, he looked okay last year. I'd like to see him dominate this year after seeing a ton of improvement in the AHL throughout the season last year. So Klimovich is probably the big name that we're going to see at this camp if he is there. So that's the name I'm looking forward to. But yeah, like a, a good crop of defensemen, I think, to be half-decently excited about this week. I think it's the the old Jordan Subban rule, like five of those young <laughs> star tournaments before uh, they shut it down for a little while. Like he still may be playing uh, in the, you know, yeah, I, I, you know, Ratu is interesting to me because I, I was a little surprised that he wasn't at the development camp in the summer. I remember asking Ryan Johnson afterwards and they, they said they considered him, but they also knew that he had played a full season professionally in North America and they decided that. You know, there were other guys that they wanted to see at the development camp. I just thought, considering he was acquired in the Horvat deal, uh, hadn't gone through sort of the progressions of, you know, a development camp, and and really wouldn't know some of the other prospects. He, he 
played in Abbotsford, obviously, but I, I just thought it would have been good to bring him in as sort of a, you know, a leader and a veteran guy to set the pace for a summer development camp. But uh, Ryan Johnson said they thought about it, but ultimately uh, they did. So I'll be curious to see if uh, that gets him the get-out-of-jail-free card for a, a prospects tournament <laughs> as well. Uh, and I say get-out-of-jail-free. Like, look, last year, uh, Neil Zaman showed up there, showed well, and then progressed to main camp and ultimately made the hockey club and... Uh, you know, Linus Carlson had a nice uh, young stars. There was a lot of hype around Archie Baines, and he kind of lived up to it. He scored the first goal uh, for the Canucks, I believe, at uh, young stars last year, and so got off to a nice start in that regard. All right, so like we mentioned, Baines, we mentioned Carlson. You said Klimovich there. Of those guys, and you've watched a lot of American Hockey League out in Abbotsford, been around that group. Baines, Carlson, Klimovich. Tristan Nielsen, who do you want and who do you think will be the first to play an NHL game from that group? From that group, I, I think I would go with Arshdeep Baines just from the fact that, and you know what, Nielsen could be put into this category as well, but just being so versatile and guys that can kill penalties and learn how to be on a power play in the AHL, but also be there with the man short and be able to be five on five, defensively responsible these are the type of things that get you the call-up, right? You don't get the call-up from scoring the prettiest goals like Daniil Klimovich does. You get the call-up from the coach being like, okay, I trust this player enough to suggest him to the NHL head coach, right? You look at Jeremy Carlton, I think he's done an excellent job evolving what Daniil Klimovich's game has become, but he's also done an excellent job just turning Nielsen into a guy, right? Like turning Tristan Nielsen into a guy because of the fit that he's been able to have with the Abbotsford team. And when you see a guy like that who can play all three positions, be able to kill penalties, power play, and have effective roles on both those special teams units as well. I mean, Tristan Nielsen generates a lot of you know shorthanded uh, chances for himself, even with a man down. He's also a guy that carries the puck in on the power play. It's not like he's just a passenger on that unit. But I, I think Baines, with the size that he has, if he's able to kind of add a step this summer and I know he's been staying here, obviously local kid. He was working out in Surrey, working out in Delta as well. So getting him an opportunity to stay around and talk with the organization and work closely with them, I think it's going to give him the biggest leg up out of that group there. But long term, I, I think you're looking at Danilo Klimovich. It just might be a little bit more building down the road for him. And he would be the one I, I think a lot of us would be more excited, right? If this guy makes the NHL, he's got a rocket of a shot. Looks like the AHL Ovechkin right now when he's on the power play unit for Abbotsford. But Right now, it's I think it's Arshdie Baines is going to be the first one to get an opportunity just because of how good he is on the penalty kill. We saw the the power play last year where he scored two shorthanded goals on in the playoffs, and he was effective throughout. I think he's a leader. Local kid's going to bleed for that jersey, being a guy who grew up you know, taking the sky train in from Surrey to come up and watch playoff games, all those type of things. I, I'm going to go with Arshdie Baines being the first one that breaks through of that group. And, and honestly, I hope to see Baines at the Young Stars Tournament again this year because he was, he was impressive last year. He caught all of our eye for sure, and he'll hey, he doesn't just fit in here. He looks like one of the premier players at this tournament. Well, and I love the fact that he didn't take part in the summer development camp this year, but they brought him in to speak to the other prospects and sort of prop him up as an example of a guy who was a high scorer and junior, but understood that that wasn't his role in Abbotsford. And as he carves out his path as a pro, uh, he's been adaptable. And you talked about guys that, you know, have versatility and some flexibility, but I just like the fact local boy and they bring him in to, you know, sort of the shining example for this year's crop of prospects of, you know, what's possible if you listen to this organization, if you follow the sort of plan that they're laying out for, for guys. Yeah. And that's going to be really interesting to watch out in Abbotsford. Can they make that plan can they expand that to get the European guys to want to come here, right? Because like Jonathan LeCarrie Mackey, Elias Pettersson, some of these top guys who were in the SHL, 
they're not itching to get over and play AHL games. We know that you know Swedish players are a little bit you know hesitant to come over and play in the AHL. But what if that changes? Like, what is that? What was going on in Pittsburgh? Was that what was happening with the same management group there? Were they saying to the European players about how close they can be to the NHL? And now that Abbotsford's just down the road instead of across the country, across the continent, over in Utica, like this is a better opportunity for these guys. So I'm curious to see if they build that very much and and be able to convince some of these guys, whether it be like a Yanni Yermo or even a Dmitry Zlodiev out of the KHL, like is the AHL a better spot than playing in the top professional league of their home country? If they can change that culture a little bit, which I think they're doing a little bit of right now. Uh, it, and, you know, I guess a step in the right direction would be kind of Vilmer Ulrichsen, the example that I brought up earlier, a guy who goes from the J20 Swedish league and is now playing in the OHL. It's closer to the NHL. It's closer to the AHL. So if they can continue to kind of evolve that culture, I think it's going to do nothing but benefit and, when you say, hey, I've got Daniel and Henrik Sardin out there every day working with you. I've got Jeremy Colleton, who's evolving a lot of these players that they're coming in as teenagers or young 20-year-olds. That's just building and building and building. And I just, I think it was so difficult to build anything in Utica. Like Utica was building Utica. Now you're seeing the Vancouver Canucks build up the Abbotsford Canucks. It's, it's a much better connection. And I do think it's going to help them in the long run. And the culture is starting to change out there with guys like Baines kind of buying in so much to the program. Well, and we're a couple of weeks away, I suppose, from finding out, you know, Niels Hoaglander, uh, you know, where's his head? What did he take away from his time in the American Hockey League? I know he went down and they were happy with the, the work that he put in and the production, but he didn't want to be in the AHL. He wants to be in the NHL. He broke in as a 20-year-old, made that team in the All-Canadian Division, uh, had that terrific rookie season, obviously a, a step back last year, but, you know, when he's on, the motor's always running. But he hasn't played for Rick Tockett yet. He got devoted before Tockett took over. So it's going to be really interesting to see. We know Rick Tockett values these guys that win their board battles. And Hoaglander has done that in the National Hockey League. But he hasn't done it for Tockett just yet. And so really curious. What do you expect uh, we see from day one of Nils Hoaglander over in Victoria? Uh, I think it's the exact same thing that Tockett said about Pod Coles. He wants Podsy to let it rip. I'm sure he wants Huglander to let it rip even harder, right? I mean, you're going to want to see Niels come in and, and do all the things that we loved that he did at the first training camp when he won that top six spot and started playing on Bo Horvat's wing. He was a guy that, yeah, there was a lot of flash and dash, and that's something that's probably always going to be in his game. I think you saw that at times in the AHL being you know, a little too cute uh, at times, and I think there was other times where he was too aggressive. And you want to see him let it rip, but let it rip in the right way. And if you can kind of contain him and have him fit into this new structure or whatever they want to call it here in the NHL, if he can fit into that well, he'll be successful. But with Niels, I, I really do think the first thing is going to be how do you address that weakness? How do you address the reason why you were sent down to the AHL? And that's going to be being defensively responsible. I thought there was improvements throughout the season in the AHL. I don't think I was at the point to say, okay, he's ready to graduate now. right? Like I don't think he did all the things that you were really hoping for defensively. And to me, it's like, you know, you can talk about the defensive game being weak, but here's, here's the simple thing with Niels Hoglander. When you're about to approach your own blue line, you're exiting your zone. Don't make the move there. Just get the puck out. Like, make the other team reset. Make them come in. That's something that you have to be able to do at the NHL level every single time. And I do think that there was some decision-making from Niels Huglander throughout kind of the end of the season and even in the playoffs a little bit that you're not really at that point to say, oh, he's ready. He's figured it out. So has an offseason been enough for him to do that? Does it take a training camp? Does it take a sit-down with Rick Tockett? Does it take five preseason games? I don't really know at this point, and it'll be interesting to see where he fits in the lineup. He's one of the guys where, you know, we always make too much about, like, oh, look at the lines on day one of training camp. 
this is one I think it's fair for us to say, like, who's he playing with on day one of training camp? If it's NHLers, okay, we know how Rick Toggett feels about this guy, but let's say it's Max Sass and, and or Chase Waters or these guys from the AHL, you kind of know where Niels is going to end up finishing this regular this preseason and training camp. Yeah, it's funny. He's such a quiet guy. He doesn't say an awful lot. But man, I would love to sit down with him in a quiet room where he promised me that he would give me the goods. Because you think, like, he's so young. He's 22 still. You know, he came over here and you just think of the dysfunction that this organization has had uh, in his time, in the entirety of his time here. Like, you know, he, he started under Travis Green. And then Bruce Boudreaux for parts of two seasons, and now Rick Tockett, even though he hasn't played for Tockett, oh yeah, he also played most of last year for Jeremy Collett and like four head coaches at different levels, and the organization's sort of been burning down uh, around him. Like, it's just a lot for a young guy to process. I'm sure he would love just a little bit of stability uh, within this organization, and, you know, hopefully gets that opportunity. Because as you said, that, I think that will be a massive tell on day one training camp who he's playing with, and can he put his best foot forward, and is he going to have a legitimate shot to earn a spot on the opening night roster? And the the crazy thing is, let's talk about how he came to the Vancouver Canucks. He was playing an SHL season during a COVID year. Right. Comes up yeah. here, has a, you can add another coach to that list, right? Like he had a right. hot start coming in with, I think, uh, 19 or 12 games. It was something in that range of SHL games. So, like, yeah, he has had a wild ride here coming into the NHL or AHL. So, that's where development is so key. And I'm curious to see, like, what of the conversations between maybe, you know, Mikhail Samuelson or the Sedins, what have they talked about with Niels Hoglander in the summer? What are the things that they need to see? Because these pros have long NHL careers with the Sedins and Samuelson. A lot of things they can teach to a player like Niels who just simply hasn't experienced it yet. And I think a lot of this is going to come from experience. I think he's only going to improve when experience comes his way. It's just, to me, when does he start to get that NHL experience? It's going to be difficult. I, I expect him to be in the opening night lineup for the Vancouver Canucks. I'm just not betting a lot of money on it, to be honest. Like, I'm not uh, I'm not putting all the bank account on it for sure. Uh, it's going to be an uphill battle for him at camp, and there's a lot of guys who have experience that he's going to be battling against. Come on, lay that sweet Canucks Army money on the table. Uh, he broke into the league on that line with Horvat and Pearson. Uh, you were out at UBC, as you said, right off the top. Uh, I was there as well. You know, there's been a lot of chatter around Tanner Pearson, and rightly so. I mean, you know, when we saw him last in April at the end of the season, exit availabilities, like, that was a guy that was pondering his future, and if there was one in the National Hockey League, and you could see he was angry and frustrated and everything else, uh, you know, I, I guess we got to look last week when he took part in Troy Stetcher's pro development camp and then these informal skates out at UBC. But it, look, it's, a, it's a really good news story that he appears to be a hockey player again. The question is, where does he fit with this group? And is there a spot on the NHL roster for Tanner Pearson after missing essentially 10 months of hockey. Yeah, the big thing has to be how does he look in actual battles, right? Like, uh, you sure. know, we both saw this on Wednesday, Jeff. Like, he was shooting the puck hard. Like, he was really ripping it. I was thinking, like, he had one of the stronger shots of the guys on the ice just watching on Wednesday. And I know all of us had our phones out keeping an eye on him specifically <laughs> just to see, like, what does it look like? Because, honestly, we don't know what's going on. This guy's had multiple surgeries and really battling through a lot of it. But you could even hear from Brock Besser when he spoke about it on Wednesday. Like, he's he was also saying he's happy it's just not worse, right? It could have been worse. And yeah. a lot of us thought... Honestly, I was shocked to see him out at Troy Stetcher's camp. I was shocked to see him on the ice here this early, and it's a good news story for sure. 
I have no idea where this guy fits in the lineup for the Vancouver Canucks because I don't know what his, what his game is at right now. He's an aging player in the NHL, obviously, but he's also a veteran who I think plays some pretty sturdy defense. And to me, a veteran who plays sturdy defense is a guy that Rick Tockett is going to like. And if we look at him fitting in as maybe not an offensive threat so much, so that third line with Pew Suter, Maybe that's the type of guy that you want to play there if that's going to be somewhat of a matchup line. Maybe doesn't have to go against tops. Like I think that might be Elias Pettersson's job a little bit more this coming season. But is that the one that takes everybody's second line down and is like, that's the matchup there? Tanner Pearson feels like a winger that would fit with Pew Suter if that's the type of role that you're looking for from your third line. And like we just mentioned, Niels Huglander, he's a guy that I really don't think fits in that spot. So can Niels play on the fourth line? Can Pearson play there? A lot of questions for sure with him. Right. And look, the Canucks are not a big team. I think a lot has been made of their forward group. There isn't a ton of size. Dakota Joshua, Phil Giuseppe, if he's in the lineup, but I don't know that he's going to be an every night guy. Uh, you know, JT Miller certainly doesn't back down, but this isn't a big, big group. And Tanner Pearson, when he's on his game, you know, he does win board battles. Like I think back to the bubble playoffs, like that was some of his best hockey. And, you know, maybe not a surprise for a guy that uh, has championship pedigree and everything else, but, um, you know, as much as the hand has been the issue, I do worry about his feet. I mean, somebody pointed out to me, I'd sort of forgotten. He played 14 games last year. He only had one goal at the time he got hurt. But beyond that, he had taken, I think it was nine minor penalties. Like, that's a red flag in a league that's getting faster all the time. Uh, you don't need that Tanner Pearson to come back. Like, he's got to show that he can keep up. And so, you know, third line, could he bring a little bit of size to a line with Suter and Connor Garland? Yeah, I think he could. But... You know, is he, like, I, I just think that 10 month absence, like, I, I wonder how much that's going to hamper him. But to see him out on the ice the other day, like, if you didn't know all that he had been through over the last year, like, I don't think there's any way that, you know, there was any indications there. So he's going to be fascinating to watch at training camp. Uh, I don't think there's much doubt. Uh, and we'll see how things go. But you're right, like, informal skates in early September are one thing, actual battles at camp and then into the preseason. Uh, you know, that's going to give us a much better read on on where he is. Uh, curious where you are on Artur Silovs as an NHL backup right off the bat, or is he best served uh, playing and playing a lot in Abbotsford? Yeah, I mean, as much as I would love to see the Artie party at uh, Rogers mm-hmm. Arena, I, I'm still in the camp of, like, I saw a lot of things from Spencer Martin last year at the end of the AHL season in the playoffs that made me think, okay, he's back on track. And to come in here and get an opportunity with a new coach, a new structure, a new defense core, really, the way it's looking at, like, what we're going to see on opening night, I think Spencer Martin deserves a shot. I think he impressed enough in that one year that earned him the two-year contract. Here's the other thing. He's in a contract year, and this isn't just, like, a contract year. This is a... NHL contract year. This is the contract right. you need to hit on this. Otherwise, you're getting AHL, you know, money for the rest of it, like the rest of your career potentially. This is a massive year for him. I know he spent a big chunk of the offseason working closely with Ian Clark as well and just continuing on what they started last year when they started to kind of reconstruct his game before heading down to the AHL. Uh, and I remember his family coming up last year at the end of the year for like a little bit of a reset when he was sent back down. This is a guy who who works extremely hard and and that's very good thing that you want from an athlete, but I also think depending on how you're working, it can be a detriment at times. And that might've been something that when things just aren't going your way, you try and work harder, you work differently, and maybe it kind of gets you off track. It To me, I think Spencer Martin's going to figure it out and be the backup for opening night. But the problem is, as soon as he starts to struggle, you have the guy in the wings now who's waiting for it. And, and he's young and he's hungry and he wants to be with Ian Clark every day. Like Archer Seelovs has really bought into what this goaltending department is preaching to him. And obviously he's having a lot of success, but 
you know, the world championships, everything that he did this summer, there's a lot of hype, but I, I think we're at the point now where it's like, to me, it's more of a hot take to say, it felt like all summer long, the hot take was like, C-Laws is going to win the spot. It's almost more of a hot take to me now that like Martin's going to be the guy because there's so much C-Laws hype throughout the summer here. Well, and of course the X factor is uh, how many games is the backup even going to get in the first 30 or 35? I mean, you look at the Canucks schedule, you know, one back-to-back in the first 14 games. Like if the start is important, and I think we all agree that it is, and we saw Rick Tockett lean on Thatcher Demko, like I think Demko is going to play a ton in the early going to try to stabilize things so that they can try to get ahead of the curve a little bit and, you know, put a few extra points in the, in the standings and all those types of things. So like, like, I could see a world in which the backup, whoever it is, only plays five or six games, you know, before the end of November. That's where I'm with you. Like, I just think Silov's kind of followed the Thatcher Demko model where, you know, they gave Demko an NHL game because he had proven and he earned it in the American Hockey League. Then they sent him back down. And then eventually the next year, I mean, he forced the hand and they had to trade Anders Nielsen because he was ready. Like, I would start Silov's in Abbotsford, play him a ton and then sort of see where you are at Christmas time. And, you know, at that point, like if he's ready to make the jump full time and he can be the backup and you're going to need a backup more in the second half of the season than you do in the first, then, you know, that that's kind of how I would play it. But ultimately, we'll see if it is a truly open battle uh, for the opening like backup job. Uh, you know, that's one of the things certainly we're going to be watching. And I know Patrick Alvin said, like, hey, if, uh, you know, he's not afraid to, you know, have Silovs as the backup here. I just think he'd be better served playing a lot still. He's 22. I think sometimes people forget that, you know, he's still so young. And with those COVID years, he didn't play an awful lot. So uh, this guy needs game action. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing for me is, like, I don't think a goalie can win a spot in training camp. I just, I think you can lose a spot. I think you can be horrible and lose a spot, but yeah. it's it's just very difficult to win a spot when you're just going through drills and things like that. It's going to take a little bit of preseason action and, if you say maybe you get two starts for Seelovs and two starts for Martin, and Seelovs really outperforms Martin in those two starts, you'd have to look at rosters and look at the team that's out there and just kind of a lot more things go into this than just like your stats yep. or your counting stats from preseason. But there's there's a possibility for it for sure. And Seelovs, he's, he's one of these guys where, yes, he had a very good season last year in the AHL. There was times where he was hot for felt like two and a half months. But then you would see a three-week stretch where you're like, oh, he's letting in those goals again like from distance, even when he's had a good eye on them and not too many screens. So there, there are certain things that you want to see him work on. It, with Seelaws, it almost reminds me of, you remember what Jacob Markstrom used to let in the first shot so often? And oh. you're like, man, he's got to stop that. There are still times with Seelaws where he'll go through a two-week stretch where you're like, oh, he's really got to stop that to keep this team in a game and not make it a 4-4 battle. Instead, have the 4-2 lead. Like These type of things with Seelaws, with me, it's a little bit more about consistency with kind of shots from distance, which is a good thing I think you want to work on because he's so athletic. When when there is a scramble, with certain goaltenders, I don't feel confident with them when they're scrambling around the crease. With Demko, I do. I think he's one of the guys who is very athletic, very good at scrambling in the crease. Silovs might be even better at it because he takes up so much space when he is scrambling, and those are the type of like, times we see these highlights come out of him, and he had a whole bunch of them at the World Championships and, and a ton during the AHL season last year. So the fact that he's got like the difficult thing to master or certain things that goalies just can't even master, he's only really got to work on a few little tweaks here to be consistent and be able to make those easier saves, I think, in the end. And to me, that's got Ian Clark written all over it, who's going to be working a ton with Silovs this year. 
Well, Penticton a week out, main camp a week beyond that, and then it's on to the preseason and uh, opening night on October 11th. So it's all coming. We've we put in our shifts over the summer, grinding it through those summer months, uh, but hockey season is here again. Uh, good fun. Uh you were terrific. No surprise uh, to anybody that uh, knows all of your work at Canucks Army and Canucks Combo. So uh, it was fun. Let's do this again sometime. I think we should do it again, Jeff. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you up in Penticton. It's going to be a lot of fun. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place. Kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one. Playoff football, BC Place. The Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them. The Dome will be rocking. Should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com. And check this out. They start at just 30 bucks, and kids 17 and under can get in for 15 So bring the noise. Fill the Dome. Thanks again to Chris Faber, Canucks Army, Canucks Convo, stopping by here on Rink Wide. As, uh, yeah, he said, uh, I saw him out at the rink on Wednesday at a UBC uh, assembly of uh, local media. I think everybody kind of chomping to get back onto the, the beat and start covering this hockey club again. Uh, nothing formal with the big league team until uh, the start of training camp, September 21st to 25th over in Victoria. Although I say 21st to 25th. Uh, they're playing a preseason game in Calgary on the night of the 24th. So I'm not sure what the back end of training camp will look like. We'll get a schedule a little closer to uh, the start of the proceedings. But uh, they are headed to the provincial capital for training camp, just as they did back in 2019. Uh, Rink-wide a presentation of Bodog. And I'm seeing some conversations out there in social. People starting to make their picks for league awards uh, around the National Hockey League. Uh, Bodog's got Elias Pettersson at plus six thousand to win the heart. That doesn't make him a long shot, but there is plenty of traffic in front of him. In fact, a guy like Kyle Connor has better odds than Elias Pettersson to win the heart. I'm not so sure that's the way I would handicap the race, but uh, Connor McDavid, even money, Nathan McKinnon, Leon Dreisaitl, Matthew Kachuk, Austin Matthews, those are your favorites. Uh, David Pasternak at plus 1,600. Interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of season uh, he has in Boston, what kind of season they have in Boston. Kirill Kaprizov, Jack Hughes getting a little bit of love, and rightly so. I think the Devils are going to be terrific this year, uh, take a real step uh, from last They took a step last year, but I think they're going to take another step. Jason Robertson, Kucherov, Tage Thompson at plus 2,500. Kale McCarr at plus 3,000. So those are some of the candidates for the Hart Trophy if you want to get in early. And again, you can get Elias Pettersson at plus 6,000. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Rinkwide. Uh, working our way closer to Penticton. And as Faber said, uh, we'll be up there. So looking forward to that. It's always such a good time uh, into the shoulder season in the Okanagan. I know it's been a tough, tough summer in a lot of the parts of the Okanagan. Uh, but hopefully things have calmed down between wildfires and the rock slide and all that kind of stuff that uh, has, has thrown a wrench into people's plans here in the last few weeks and months. Uh, hopefully everything goes smoothly. Young Stars, Canucks, Flames, Oilers, and Jets putting their young paces, uh, young troops rather, through their paces 
Uh, we'll be back with uh, more rink-wide next week as we start to ramp things up and get closer to the start of the hockey season. Most of the NHL guys, the veterans, the regulars uh, are in town, been skating out at UBC. We would expect that that's going to continue. And again, a week from Young Stars, two weeks from training camp. So we are getting there. Hey, big thanks to Trevor Martins helping out behind the scenes once again on this episode of Rink-wide, a presentation of Bodog, sports odds, poker tips, and free casino games. It's time to play. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch up with you again soon here on Rick Wyatt.